0: invite you to take a or invest in a little thought exercise and My personal recommendation is you keep your thoughts to yourself because they could potentially land you in hot water But entertain the thought Thinking back across your life What is the most outrageous thing you've ever been asked to do? To which you responded. Yes The most outrageous thing you've been asked to do, to which you responded, yes. And then, how did it turn out? Uh, Maybe you were asked to take a dare, and it was the most exhilarating, exciting moment of your life. Maybe you offered a marriage proposal, and it changed your life in countless ways. Perhaps you considered a career change, or accepted a career change, or a job offer. Maybe you... We're asked to leave a relationship for the sake of a different relationship and you said yes And it changed the course of your life Perhaps you were encouraged by unsavory friends because of course you weren't unsavory uh, to commit a crime Or maybe you were asked to consider Adding another child to your family How did it turn out? Uh, I think about a couple I think about the whole marriage proposal thing Um, I've said it before and I will say it again Um as a pretty much, no not pretty much, as a totally clueless 20 year old, when I stood before friends and family and pledged to love Diana for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, for richer, for poor in sickness and in health, I pretty much didn't have a clue. But we both said yes. Didn't have a clue what we were in for, but it changed the course of our lives. And again, I think of others of you. I know people, I know Reuben made a, a career change, moved his family across the country, a total career change, and it changed everything for them. I'm sure you have your own stories. For us, obviously one that you guys can resonate with, uh, we were asked in the fall of 1980 to leave a church we loved, to walk away from a stable job and hook up our mobile home, and move our young family to a town where we only knew two people to pastor a church that didn't exist. (coughs) Oh, please! Hallelujah! (laughs) Little did I know. Uh, Someone recently asked if I would do it all again. And I'm still thinking on that. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) it depends on the day, not even the day, it depends on the moment, all right? But seriously, Uh, just think about some of the outrageous things uh, that, that you have said yes to and how it changes everything Every year as I prepare to teach during this season I'm struck by how radically the christmas story Changed some of those who experienced it firsthand We we are familiar with the key players And that story changed them Forever i'm also struck that there were countless other people who experienced it firsthand who were not changed at all. And as Kathleen has already challenged us, where do I fall? Where do I fall? Undoubtedly, I've said it before, but it is very easy for us to become so familiar with the Christmas story that we lose sight of just how amazing it is. Just how outrageous it is when I slow down to let it soak in The story of mary and joseph makes my head explode If I stop and think about it not as the story i've heard since my earliest days But if I just stop to think about take the story in its own merit Without understanding all the context that 2020 hindsight across centuries can provide Today I invite you to reflect on it a bit And as I refresh your memories of a familiar story I want you to ask yourselves two questions And I want you to keep asking them after you leave today The first is, when it comes to my spiritual life What would it take for me to embrace the outrageous? What would it take for me to embrace the outrageous? On December 5th of 2021 or december 6th or december 7th what would it take and then the other is how am i responding when god makes what seems like an outrageous ask and and i don't say those things lightly because most of you who know me even a little bit know that on the continuum of risk-taking and risk-avoidance I'm kind of way down here. I'm not the one who's a risk taker. You couldn't dare me to do some of the stuff that daredevils do. It just wouldn't happen. So when I say that, I don't don't say it lightly. And, And this story highlights it in an amazing fashion. So with those questions, what when it comes to my spiritual life, what would it take for me to embrace the outrageous? And how am I responding when God makes what seems like an outrageous ask? Uh, With those thoughts in mind, uh, just listen to the first part of the story. And this is kind of Mary's perspective. In Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And again, every time I read that, it's like, wow, what an awesome moment. You know, God says, here I am, you're special, you are chosen, you're just amazing. And for me, it's like, wow, can it get any better? But it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In other words, is there a catch? Because again... Some of you remember somebody who used to attend years ago, and when they were recruiting someone to serve, it usually started out like, man, Dan, you look really nice today. You know, you've been working out, and then came the ask, all right? So apparently Mary, while she was young, she had a suspicion that an angel doesn't just show up and say, you're chosen, you're absolutely awesome, without thinking, what's the rest of the story here, all right? Where's the... I got the bait. Where's the hook? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now again, when an angel shows up and said, you're chosen, you're awesome, you're amazing, don't be afraid. Now, it's like if I say don't look at Steve, all of you want to go look at Steve right now. If somebody says to me, don't be afraid, I'm immediately afraid. I, I, that's just me. And so, an angel shows up to this young teenage girl and says, you're highly favored, you're chosen by God, God's going to bless you in amazing ways, don't be afraid. What's there to be afraid of? Because you obviously know something I don't. It's interesting because we think about the Christmas story as an incredible, warm, fuzzy thing. I mean, it's the epitome of that. When the angel showed up to the shepherd same deal. Don't be afraid. I'm afraid. I mean, it's it's dark There's loud noises bright lights angels and you say don't be afraid i'm terrified We'll come to that in a couple weeks. But anyway I got sidetracked imagine that do not be afraid mary you have found favor with god. So again I i'm blessed by god. That's a good thing, right? Nod your heads with me if god says you're highly favored woohoo (laughs) and then the shoe drops you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high the lord will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever that his kingdom will never end how will this be mary asked the angel since i'm a virgin The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, who will be born, excuse me, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, just imagine if you had never heard that story, and you were living it. There was no story you'd heard before, and an angel shows up, just boom, and makes an absolutely outrageous ask. What would it take for Mary to embrace the outrageous? What, what what did she have to get past in order to do that? In verse 29, it, it talks about she's just kind of overwhelmed by the experience. Uh, to me, she had to make a decision to sacrifice her peace of mind, at least temporarily. I mean, again, I'm just telling you, I believed for a long time. I'm establishing my belief. But if an angel shows up to me face to face, we're going to have a moment where... I need to collect myself and restore my peace of mind. Verse 30, it touches on that fear thing, and I've already talked about that, but she had to make a conscious decision. Again, it is it is human nature if somebody says, don't look, to look. It's human nature if somebody says, don't be afraid. It's like when the doctor says, this is going to hurt a little, right? I had an experience one time where I was going in for a procedure, And he said, this is going to hurt a lot. (laughs) And I thought, I know what it feels like when you say it's going to hurt a little. Don't be afraid, because it's not scary. Oh gosh, it's got to be really scary if you're telling me that. (sighs) Then verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Now... I know this is an extrapolation, but I think it's reasonable. Mary was a young woman, in all probability, an early teenager. She was pledged to be married. I have to believe she had a vision for what her future was going to look like. She was going to marry Joseph, her beloved, and they were going to establish a family and live happily ever after with him having a successful business as a carpenter. And an angel shows up and says, you're going to start your life even before you're married to Joseph by having a child that is not his. That was not Mary's plan. That was never ever on it. You know, I have to believe no young Jewish girl grew up thinking, one day when I grow up, I want to have a baby by the Holy Spirit and have it be the son of God. I think it's safe to assume that was not anybody's plan her plan was to follow the normal way of living so she had in order to embrace the outrageous she had to dramatically alter her plans and if that's not enough Verse 35, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will, to be, born will be called the Son of the Most High. To say yes to the outrageous, now, now wrap your head around this. You can't, but try. She had to literally surrender her body to the will of God and say, do with my body whatever you See fit And then verse 37 and 38 She had to commit Her entire future Most of you know That when you bring a child into this world If that child Continues to live You have an investment in that child till the end of your days in countless ways. This wasn't, I'm going to have a child by the Holy Spirit and I'll never have to think about this again. No. This is kind of, my body, I'm in for all of it. And so just, can can you believe she said yes? I, I mean, that just, wow she has this crazy moment i mean could she not at least think for a moment man i something i ate didn't agree with me <laughs> I, this just isn't real but at the end of that she says go ahead what whatever and and again maybe you're light years ahead of me here I have a hard time wrapping my head around. What would it take for me to embrace the outrageous like Mary did? Maybe in one of those areas, okay, maybe I could surrender my fear. Or maybe I could surrender my body. Maybe I would alter my plans. But all of those to just literally go all in for the rest of my life. What would it take? Maybe it would take an angel showing up. Maybe it would take healing or hearing the prompting of the Holy Spirit and having it confirmed by people and sources you trust. I can't answer that for you. I can, I'm not sure I can answer it for myself. But I think it's a question that we would do well to answer. And to me, it puts the Christmas story in an entirely different light. Matthew chapter one. We'll switch to Joseph. Matthew chapter one, uh, verses eighteen through twenty-five. The question, what would it take for Joseph to embrace the outrageous? Again, I mean Mary had her own challenges, but Joseph was not without his. Uh, Matthew chapter one, starting off with verse verse eighteen. And I'm going to go through twenty-five. <clears throat> This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24. Then Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. I'm pretty sure Joseph's plan was to marry his chosen bride, Mary, and to start a family with her in the normal fashion. I'm pretty confident his plan was not to have someone come and tell him, hey, the wonderful young lady you're engaged to be married to is with child, and it's not yours. Pretty sure that was not his plan. So he also had to dramatically alter his plans. Now, again... When we tell the story, it makes sense because we've heard it before. I'm pretty sure, I'm not a historian, not by a long shot, but I'm pretty sure there weren't any other previous virgin births. Maybe medical science can prove me wrong, whatever. But I doubt if there was, Joseph knew about them. But I'm pretty sure it didn't happen. So... Joseph has to somehow embrace a totally new plan to commit to raising a child that is not his and it just doesn't make sense. Now, if you have children, you know sometimes they don't make sense. (laughs) So I say, whose kid is this? The in-laws don't act like that. My family doesn't act like that. Where's this coming from? But but Joseph... That was not his plan. And he chose to accept it. In verse 19, says, so Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Friends, he's sacrificing his dreams. He was dreaming of marrying Mary and living happily ever after. And I would love to think that people were different back then, But I think people were still people. And can you imagine what Joseph's buddies said when they heard the story that his fiancée was pregnant and it wasn't Joseph's? you got to believe there were people chirping at him. Perhaps even his family. Dude, you're being played for a fool. Kick her to the curb because she's dishonored you. Because he's honorable, he says, well, you know, I I, I care about her, so I, I won't kick her to the curb, but I'll keep it quiet. He sacrificed so much. Verses 20 and 21, he had to surrender both his pride and his reputation in order to say, I will stand by her. I don't care if nobody else in the world believes What she's telling, I'm choosing to believe it. And if you think I'm a fool for believing it, so be it. If you don't want anything to do with us, we're okay with that. Because we're willing to embrace the outrageous. And in 24 and 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, to embrace the outrages, he made a conscious decision to release his will and say, not my will, but yours be done. Again, can you believe he said yes? Yes. It just doesn't make sense. And again, what would it take for me to embrace the outrageous like Joseph did? If your head's not exploding yet, all right, remember, we've not heard this story before. Just think, for better and for worse... Mary at least lived long enough to see how it all played out. While Joseph, in all probability it appears, Joseph went to his grave without even knowing the full meaning behind his willingness to embrace the outrageous. Now just chew on that for a moment. I'm not sure I could get to a place of embracing the outrageous if God gave me a storyboard and said, here's how it's all going to play out. If you'll say yes here in 50 years, this will be the result. But it's going to be a tough time getting there. I might be able to get there. But if he says, I need you to trust me that it's all going to work out, but I'll tell you right up front, you're never going to get to see it. What? I'll sign up for all this stuff. The embarrassment, raising a child that's not mine, the ridicule, the questions, pouring my life into someone, and I don't even get to see how it turns out. Talk about embracing the outrageous. Again, the whole story makes my head explode. But when I when I processed that recently, it was like, wait a minute. He didn't even get to see how it ended on this side of eternity. But he still gave it his all. And he said yes. Against the backdrop of Mary and Joseph, I encourage you to spend some time this Christmas season wondering about how your life is different because of the Christmas story not just in December when they're playing their Christmas music and helping us to feel warm and fuzzy. But if the Christmas story is what the Christmas story is, then shouldn't it make a difference? Perhaps, dare I say, an outrageous difference? All the time? What would it take? For close to two decades, I've stood before you, and I've regularly very regularly, reference an expression that Henry Blackaby used in his study Experiencing God when he talked about entering into a real, personal, life-changing love relationship with God. Have any of you heard that before? Okay, just checking. (laughs) At times, I fear we are better at emphasizing the real part And we're better at emphasizing the personal part, because those are the warm, fuzzy parts. And we're not so good about emphasizing the outrageousness of the life-changing part. Friends, if I say I've entered into a real personal relationship with the God of all creation with his son who died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins so that I can be free from that burden for all of eternity, if I say that I have allowed that Holy Spirit to come and dwell within me, then shouldn't there be some life change that is ongoing and continuous and at times even outrageous? I wonder... Am I saying no when he would have me to say yes? Again, we know the story, and I know God would have figured something out because he's God. But what if Mary had said, oh, that's no, that's weird. I don't want any part of that. What if Joseph had said, I don't want any part of that and walked away from Mary and let her deal with the public humiliation, all of that? Please understand, I'm not saying this to elevate me or Diana. Because God's God and he can do what he needs to do. But what if when Art O'Dell showed up in our trailer in Athens, Michigan, and said, we think it'd be a great idea if you two moved to Albion and started a church. If we'd said what we were thinking, and that's Albion, we hate Albion. I was thinking I should just take over their church, but they weren't having it. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, folks, and, and I have to ask myself, what have I said no to since then that might have been something else God had in mind? When they offered me a job at headquarters and I said, "No, I'd like Albion. Now I want to stay." And again, that, that's just me. You've got your own. But, but I have to ask myself, am I saying yes or no when he would have me say yes? And I have to ask myself, am I saying yes when he would have me say no? What would it take? What would it take for my life to be radically transformed by the Christmas story? I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you that question next week. I'm going to ask that question the following week. I'm going to ask that question on Christmas Eve. What would it take? What would it take? What angel needs to show up? Because in my experience, you're never going to get a guarantee. You're always going to be signing a blank check when you say yes to the outrageous. And I trust Diane a lot, but I even have a hard time signing a blank check for her. (laughs) She at least knows the balance of our account. God fills it in based on the balance in his account, not mine. Pray with me. Father, it is outrageous, but it's equally outrageous that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. It's outrageous that that son rose from the grave, triumphant over sin and death. It's outrageous that you ask us to be a part of that. It's outrageous that we're able to sit here today and worship you. So help us. Help us to put it all aside and hear your voice. And it may be a little outrageous, and it may be mind-blowing outrageous. But help us to wrestle with when to say yes, when to embrace the outrageous, and when to embrace the change that comes from saying no. We ask this in the strength and in the power of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.